Hey everyone, welcome to the Southside Church Podcast from Chilliwack, British Columbia, Canada. We're praying that hope would rise in your life as you listen to this message today. Hey, wow, it's great to be back. It's so good to see all of you guys. Man, I have missed you so much, and it's so good to finally see you. I mean, the last couple of years have been really hard for all of us, right? And especially when you're 3,000 miles away, we just, it makes it even harder for us to see one another. And so I've missed you. I love you. I pray for you guys. I stay in touch with Pastor Mike and the staff, and, um, and so I'm just excited to be here. I'll tell you what, it's going to sound really cheesy, I know, because it's the season, but coming to Southside is a lot like Christmas for me. It's the anticipation of waking up and finally being here at Southside. And you might think that's kind of crazy, but I mean, it's really true. Like you have a unique group of people here. All of you, I've gotten to know many of you over the past several years. I know Mike, he's really one of my best friends in the entire world. The staff is amazing. And uh, when I come to Canada, I get to have Tim Bits and All Dressed Chips which you can't find in North Carolina. So I'm so grateful to be here with you guys today. I missed you so much. And I get to hear about what's happening. Like when I showed up on Friday, I walked into the lobby and there's this massive tree in the lobby. I mean, the tree is almost bigger than the building and they're wrapping lights around it and putting Christmas decorations on it. I'm like, what church does this? And so hopefully you will invite a friend or neighbor to come and experience Christmas because much like the tree, Christmas at Southside is big. It's huge. And you're going to want your friends and family members to be here for that. And then this all is bright thing. What in the world? Like I am totally amazed and blown away, honestly, to hear the stories of life change that are happening in people because you guys sacrificially gave of your time. Almost a thousand volunteers gave their time up to serve other people. $250,000, can you believe that? Like who does that? And it's all to give more help, more hope, and more love to people of our community. There's this missionary that once said, the light that shines the farthest shines the brightest at home. The light that shines the farthest shines the brightest at home. And I just feel like Southside Church is shining bright and far around the world because you're shining so white hot bright right here in Chilliwack, British Columbia. I'm so thankful to be a part of a church that sacrifices, that loves, is generous to so many people. I'm glad to call Southside my home away from home. And I hope you guys are too. Can we just take a minute and just celebrate what all God's been doing? Can we really celebrate? Like, it's amazing. It's, it doesn't happen everywhere. And I'm grateful for you guys. So every time I come to Southside, somebody stops me in the lobby and says, hey, you didn't really tell us a lot about your family or what's going on in your life. Can you give us an update on, on you? We just wanna know a little bit more about you. And so I thought I would start with an update on my family. And so I have a picture. This is our family in September. And we are at the most expensive place on earth. I mean, I think they say it's the greatest place on earth, but great things come with a cost. And so it's the greatest, most expensive place on earth, Disney World. And uh, we did everything. We wore the same shirts, because that's a thing, I guess. And, um, and we did the hopping parks, and we fast-passed the lines, and they have these giant roasted turkey legs that are amazing. And uh, this year, we found these, they're like this big gourmet cookies, and they have all different flavors, and they were amazing. So we, we did it all, had a great time. You can see my oldest granddaughter there. Her name is Shiloh. She broke her arm two days before we were going to go to Disney. 
We thought the whole trip was gonna be canceled and we were all sad for a moment. And the orthopedic surgeon came in and said, hey, I think she'll be good for a few days to go and have some fun. And when she comes back, she's gonna have to have surgery and some other things. And so she's doing well now. We had a great time. On the far end there to your right or to your left as you're looking at the screens is my son Gabe and his wife, Kelsey. And uh, last time I was here, I think they just got married. So they're celebrating their one year anniversary here. And this is in Rome. So they went to Greece and Rome for their one year anniversary. And my wife and I were like, our one year anniversary, we were in a one bedroom efficiency apartment, (laughs) eating old cake by a candlelight. And she was taking an early pregnancy test. So I'm like, things have (laughs) changed a lot in a short period of time. But they're doing amazing. And some really cool news for them is uh, Kelsey runs a ministry that helps oppressed women all over the United States. And one of the ladies that she's been helping had a recent setback. And she asked Gabe and Kelsey if they uh, would take her daughter for a year. And she's two years old. She is the most beautiful little girl. I love her so much. And she's just been uh, part of our, become part of our family really quick. And uh, this week, all the paperwork was finalized for them to have legal guardianship. And so we have another granddaughter in our family and are so excited about that. And uh, yeah, it's amazing. It's really amazing. I'm so proud of my kids. Uh, Some bittersweet news. And this is a picture of my father-in-law. I was supposed to be here in September, and my father-in-law, Barney, is his name, he passed away. He went home to be with the Lord in heaven, and it's bittersweet for us because he had a long illness and was suffering for a while, and we didn't wanna see him suffer anymore. And so we know that he's completely healed and he's no longer suffering, but the bitter part is, like, if you look at him, he is a sense of humor type of guy. He liked to cut up, have a good time, crack jokes, and uh, man, when that is missing from your family, it's really hard. to navigate those seasons. And, uh, and as I was looking at this picture of dad, I started thinking about the message and what Pastor Mike asked me to speak about. And I thought, uh, there's a really good tie-in to his sense of humor and uh, who dad was. And so dad loved to drive around town and he'd go on long trips. And he was really good at looking at everyday, ordinary street signs. And he would find humor in them. He'd be like, who wrote that? Like, what does that really mean? What are they trying to tell people to do? And we pass them every day. Many of us pass them every day going to church or work or school or all those places in the community like the supermarket or whatever. And, and we don't really read the signs, but dad did read the signs. And then he would crack up laughing and tell people jokes about signs. And so I started thinking about it and I said, yeah, it's really true. Some signs are really strange, aren't they? Like there's this sign that I came across. It's really strange. There <laughs> apparently is no water around this area. And they're warning you that a guy in a full scuba suit might cross the road at any point in time. It feels like there should be a warning for the guy in the scuba suit that there could be a car crossing the road at any time instead. So some signs are really kind of strange. And then there are signs that are obvious, right? The signs that, you know, you're like, why did they really have to make that? Like this one, caution, water on road during the rain. If there's wetness coming out of the sky, it's gonna land somewhere. It's gonna be on the road. And so I'm not sure why this sign was made. And then there are signs that should have never been made and maybe made by somebody in an office like you never close a lane to ease congestion, ever. It never happens, right? And, uh, and then there's some signs that are like this one. Uh, this sign, oh, wait, how did, that, how did that slide get in here? It, this, this is a sign of a Stanley Cup champion and uh, sorry, Mike, it just 
Somebody slipped it in there all of a sudden. So uh, then there are signs that give us direction in life, right? And so I don't know, I don't think this is in Chilliwack, but like there are signs like that. You're like, which way do I go inside of the sign? And there are signs that point us to the realities of life like this sign, a dead end in a cemetery. And so signs, they're, they're really important. They're to guide us, to give us direction, to show us how to get to our destination safely. And sometimes we're amazing at following those signs and sometimes we're not great at following signs at all. I remember when I was 17, I'd been driving for about a year and I'd been working with my dad uh, over the summer and we were driving home and we we're on an interstate and I would always drive, dad would sit in the jump seat and he would give me all the directions along the way and oftentimes fall asleep on the way home. But uh, we were driving and all of a sudden on this long interstate, the road started backing up and my dad's like, oh no, there's been an accident or there's construction and it's a long way to the next exit. He's like, you need to turn around. And I said, dad, there's, there's no turnaround here. And he was like, he's like, yeah. He said, right up there to your left, it's coming quick. He said, you need to put on your turn signal and cut through the median and turn around, go back the other way. If we can get back to the other exit, I can get us home faster, more safely, and a quicker, of course. And I'm like, Dad, it's an interstate. I don't think we're supposed to go through there. And he was like, no, it's fine. Just go ahead and go through there. And I'm like, okay. And he goes, right now, turn now. And I'm like, all right, Dad, I got it. And so I put my turn signal on, and I turn through the median. I get on the highway, and I start heading the other direction. And a little ways down the road, all of a sudden, I look up in my mirror, and there are blue lights flashing in my mirror. And so there was a nice state patrol trooper who came up to my car and said, didn't you see the sign that said, no, U-turn? And I'm like, yeah, but my dad told me to turn here anyway. <laughs> and he goes, well, uh, you know, signs are meant for a reason. They're to protect everybody, you and other people on the road. And so I'm gonna give you a reminder that regardless of what your dad says, you should pay attention to the road signs. And I got a nice penalty from the state of Indiana. And so sometimes we do a great job of following signs and instructions and sometimes we ignore them or we just don't see them. They're oblivious to us as we travel around. And I started thinking about road signs. And I started thinking about life and like, wouldn't it be really cool in life sometimes if we had these road signs to help us navigate our everyday life? like inside of our relationships. I don't know about you, but sometimes my wife and I get off the same page, we're not on the same page, or sometimes some of our kids, we get off the same page with them. And in our relationships, wouldn't it be great if there was a road sign right before danger was getting ready to happen that would say, slow down, rough road ahead? Or what about if in our finances, there would be a sign that would say, steep downgrade ahead a day before the stock market collapsed? Or how about that day that you're getting ready to go to your boss and ask him for a raise or ask him for a day off, but he's in a really foul mood? What if there was a sign that just said, stop, proceed with caution? Like those types of signs would really help us navigate life much differently than sometimes we find ourselves in certain situations. And the amazing thing about signs is it fits really well with what we've been studying in the book of John. Like John is an amazing author. He's telling us a lot about Jesus's life. And one of the things that John begins to point out is that there's a sense of urgency when you read through the book of John, there's a sense of urgency and you kind of get to the point that John's talking about something that really results in life and death. And he wants us to see something and he wants us to see it now. And what John begins to do is he begins to share these 
stories about Jesus's life, and it says that he's performing signs, or we say miracles in life. And these signs are pointing us to something bigger, something greater in life. And so we've been going through the book of John. And last week when uh, Spencer was preaching, Spencer's doing a great job. Do you guys think so? Like, wasn't that a great message? Yeah, I really enjoyed it. He did such a fantastic job. Um, Spencer reminded us what was going on in this time that John writes this book is that there are a bunch of people that have been looking for Jesus. They are expecting a Messiah, a Savior to come. They want someone to help protect them, to care for them, to provide for them. They want someone to get even with all of their enemies. They want someone that's a king to rule over them and give them the very, very best life. And they've been looking for it. In fact, they've been reading through scriptures and they've had prophets that came and said the Messiah is coming one day. And there are all these signs that they're looking for that Jesus would show up one day. And John's message to them is that Jesus is here now, but the people were still looking for signs that pointed to something that was gonna happen in the future. And so John has got this amazing, these seven amazing stories about Jesus, but uh, they're these signs that Jesus is performing and they're miracles, actually. We would call them miracles. Now, a miracle is an event that's kind of supernatural, like it defies human logic or reason. We would see it happen. We're like, there's no possible way that that could happen. And Jesus is not just doing uh, the miracle to do a miracle, to do something really good, but Jesus is doing the miracle as a sign that points to something more significant, something even greater than the miracle itself. And so this idea of signs, as you're thinking about it, I wanna go through and review what we've seen of John so far, but as you think about this idea of a sign, I wanna leave you with this idea. Um, there's a difference between a tourist attraction and a sign directing you to the attraction, right? So for example, if you were traveling to go see the Grand Canyon and you saw a sign that said Grand Canyon six miles ahead, you don't pull your car over, jump out, run up and touch the sign and go, oh, this is a beautiful canyon. It's gorgeous, it's great, big, it's amazing. No, you look at the sign and you follow its direction and its distance and it takes you to the attraction itself. And so as we think about these signs that Jesus is performing, this is exactly what Jesus is doing right now. He's doing, he's doing a miracle to grab our attention, to change our thought process, and to help us see that he's pointing to something much greater, something much more significant than the event itself. So the first sign that we have studied in John is when Jesus turns water into wine. And Jesus is at a wedding party, and uh, and uh, they run out of wine. Now, it's a horrible thing if you're throwing a party. If you're a host, if you like to host parties, you don't like to run out of food or drinks, right? But in this case, the wedding host runs out of wine. And so everybody's trying to figure out what they're gonna do. Someone comes to Jesus and says, Jesus, you need to help us. And he tells some people to grab six large pots, fill it with ordinary water, and um, and then he says, once they're full, I want you to pour them out. And when they do, the water had become the best and finest of wines. And everybody was amazed by it. How does someone put water in a pot and there's no grapes, there's no human touch, uh, there's no time or process, it happens immediately, they pour it out and it turns into wine. And so the point uh, that Jesus was making wasn't that he had the power to turn water into wine. Jesus was pointing them to something greater that he is the son of God and he's actually here now. 
You see, the people had been missing the fact that Jesus was here now. John had kept saying, he's here, he's here, he's here. We're not looking for the future, we're looking for the now that our Messiah, our Savior is here today. Our new King is here with us today. And so, in the second sign that Jesus gives us that we've studied in John, we see him heal a royal court official son. And so there's this guy and he's pretty important and he shows up and he finds Jesus and he knows that Jesus has been doing all these miracles and he says, Jesus, look, I know you can do all these great things. I have a son that's really sick and he's gonna die. It's a matter of life and death and he needs your help right now. Will you come to my house and heal my son? And Jesus kind of kept on doing his thing and seems to put the guy off. And so the guy, I mean, it's important. It's a life and death matter. The guy doubles down on Jesus and says, hey, Jesus, like, I need you to come to my house now. Like, my son is gonna die. And Jesus says, hey, go home. Your son's healed. And the guy believes him. The guy has faith that Jesus did what he said. And he goes home and sure enough, his son is completely healed. And it floors people because they're looking at this and they're like, wait, how can somebody heal somebody and not even be present? Like a doctor would have to assess the person's condition, take their vital signs, dispense some type of medicine. It would take some amount of time. But Jesus speaks the word and the boy is completely healed. And so Jesus really challenges people's everyday thinking, their logic and their reason. He's trying to grab their attention, not as a miracle, not to say that he can perform great works because he can do anything that he wants to do. He's trying to tell them, look, the Messiah that you're looking for, the Savior, isn't for the future. The Savior is here today, right now for you. And so in the third uh, sign that we studied, we see Jesus heal a lame man who's been sitting by a pool for like 38 years. And Jesus is strolling around and on the Sunday, he sees this guy and, uh, and it's basically the Sabbath. It's kind of like our Sunday. It's kind of like our day off of sorts. And uh, he sees this guy that's been sick for so long and he basically says to the guy, he says, do you wanna get better? And the guy's like, I do, but I can't get in this pool that's supposed to have a healing effect. And Jesus says, just pick up your mat and walk. And the guy does. And people should be amazed by that. But there's a dilemma because on Sunday, we're not supposed to work. It's supposed to be our day off. And the religious leaders had all these rules about what we could do or not do. And they were so bent out of shape that Jesus did something powerful on a Sunday that would go against their rules. They weren't excited that the guy was actually healed. And so the point of the message wasn't that Jesus could heal a lame man, but that he did it on the Sabbath, which broke all the, the logic or reason that the religious leaders had. And it was because they're like, who has the authority to do this on a Sunday? And Jesus tells them, God does. We're, whatever God wants to do on whatever day he wants to do it, whenever he wants to do it, whatever God says, I do. God and I are the same. You've been looking for a Messiah. You've been looking for a savior, but I am him and I'm here now. That's the sign that Jesus is throwing to the people. So we've seen three of the seven signs already as we've studied the book of John. And so as Jesus does these miracles, he's not just trying to do it like a firework show. Like, whoa, there goes a really pretty firework. Jesus, do it again. What kind of other miracles can you do? Where, where can you heal other people? What kind of other activities or events that you can do that will blow our mind? Jesus isn't just trying to blow their mind. He has the power to do anything he wants. He's trying to show them and confirm that he is the son of God. And so where I wanna pick up and go a little bit deeper, dive in or zoom in a little closer to what Spencer talked about last week is in John 5, verse 24, we see Jesus say this. It's urgent that you listen carefully to this. 
anyone who believes what I am saying right now and aligns himself with the Father, who has in fact put me in charge, has at this very moment the real lasting life and is no longer condemned to be an outsider, um, this person has taken a giant step from the world of the dead to the world of the living. All the signs are pointing to Jesus, that the Messiah, the Savior, is here now. And so what Jesus is saying is that anybody who begins to align themselves with who Jesus is um, begins to cross over from death to life, from the world of the dead to the world of the living. And that passage goes on to tell us that you move from condemned to redeemed. So if you feel like you've been judged, if you don't feel like you're good enough, you move from not being good enough to being completely good enough in Jesus's mind. If you go, if you feel like you're on the outside of life and you're always looking in and doesn't seem like you're a part of anything that's happening in the world, Jesus says that you go from excluded to included. He says that you go from temporary to eternal, that you cross from the world of the dead to the world of the living. And then Jesus continues in verse 25 and he says this, it's urgent that you get this right. The time has arrived, I mean right now. Jesus says, I mean right now when dead men and women will hear the voice of the Son of God and hearing will come alive. And so Jesus is telling them, like, you have been looking for a savior. You've been looking for someone to rule over you. You've been looking for someone to protect and provide and to give you the very best of life. And you've been looking for that in the future, but I'm telling you, I'm here right now. And the moment that you decide to align yourself with me, it's not a future fire insurance. It's not that you'll have eternal life one day in heaven. It's that you actually have the same power, the life-giving power and the miracles that you've seen me perform. That power comes into you and you begin to experience life in a new way that you've never experienced before until you believe that I'm the son of God. And so it's a powerful message that Jesus is sharing. And it's amazing because he repeats it almost the same thing two times over, that you'll move from the world of the dead to the world of the living, that you will come alive. He wants them to know it's urgent right now. It's time for you to make a decision. Do you wanna continue down a dead end road and end where life ends? Or do you want life that's abundant? Life like you've never experienced it. Do you wanna experience that life right now and for every day going forward, even into eternity? When uh, I went to college, I was probably like a normal college kid. I was still trying to figure out what I wanted to do in life. My brother was an accountant. My mom was a bookkeeper. My dad was an entrepreneur. And I was like, well, I'll just be an accountant. I'm good with numbers. I'm good with math. And... Um, I had this girlfriend for two years in high school and she, I thought she was pretty amazing. I was like, we're gonna get married one day. We're gonna have kids. We're gonna live in Indiana. I'm gonna have a farm, a truck. And you know, you have all those lists of things that you think are gonna make a really great life. And so I go off to college and she still has a year of high school to finish up. And um, about two months in, I got a Dear John phone call. And she was like, this long distance thing stinks. And I don't think it's working out very well. And I'm like, what do you mean? It's working great. I'm like, let's stay together. And she was like, I don't think I want to. And I'm like, great. And so I hung up the phone and I remembered that I felt like my life came to an end. Like I was like, 
every dream, every thought I had about the future, what a successful life, a filled, a joy-filled life would look like in my mind at that moment came crashing down. And I had all kinds of crazy thoughts like, um, no one will ever love me again. I, I'll never find true love. She was the only girl in the world that would love me. And I'm sure like if some girl did love me, she's not gonna be as pretty as the one that I had. I mean, I really got lucky there, outpunted my coverage. And, and uh, I don't know, maybe some of you guys have had moments. Maybe it's not a breakup or maybe it is. Uh, maybe there's been a point where you've lost a job or um, there's something in your life that's changed significantly and all of a sudden all your hopes and dreams come crashing down. And that's the way that I felt. And so I started trying to figure out what my life was gonna look like and how I was gonna find success and joy and what, where would I find fulfillment in my life? And I thought, well, you know, I'm at college and maybe I'll just become, I'll try and become the popular guy on campus, the center of attention. And so me and some buddies got together and we were going to a Christian college that had a lot of rules. So we thought, oh, we'll not follow the signs. We'll break some of the rules and we'll become popular kids on campus. And so we, we got into trouble, but not like major trouble. And so we did things like we borrowed some earth movers one night and we relocated them across the campus and uh, we went down to our maintenance facility and we borrowed a rowboat uh, from the maintenance guys and we drug it out into the campus lake and we anchored it in the middle and put a little mannequin in there with a fishing rod. And uh, it was funny to us because everybody was lined up on the shores watching these maintenance guys swim out there to get the boat and pull it off the lake. And so every week people were looking for us to see what prank we would do differently, how we would stick it to the man or, or get the school. And it was, it was kind of fun and I became the center of attention and that got me a few dates. I met some girls and uh, hung out, but every girl that I dated was just, I was like, it's not the same. It's not going anywhere. I don't, I don't get it. And I was like, and then I had all these rules for what the next girl that I was gonna date would look like. She would have dark hair and dark eyes and she would like country music and she'd wanna live in Indiana and I wasn't finding anybody like that. And, uh, and I remember going home for winter break and coming back uh, from winter break and we were with some friends and we we're hanging out at the campus lake and uh, just taking a study break. And one of the girls that hung out in our group shows up with this blonde haired, blue eyed girl and she was amazing. I was like, what's your name? And she was like, Tara. And I was like, I'm George. And, um, and Tara was very different than every other girl I'd met. The way she carried herself, the way she talked, the way she interacted with people, the way she had fun. And I was like, I really like this girl. And I'm like, the only thing that we had in common is she liked sports. She was a city girl and I was a country boy. And, but we liked sports, but she didn't like any of my sports teams, unfortunately. And I was like, I don't know. But every time I was around her, I was like, I wanna be around her more and more. And so I kept pestering her. I got her phone number. I started calling her and I was like, hey, let's go on a date. And she was like, I don't know if I'm ready for that. And I'm like, come on, let's go on a date. And so finally she said, okay. She says, I'll go out and get pizza with you one night. And so you, the one night turned into two nights and then three nights and we were dating before we knew it. And I was like, man, I love this girl. She's amazing. But we weren't to that point in our relationship where I could say that yet. And so we're out one night on a date and we're finishing up and we're sitting in the car and she says something that I thought was really funny and cute. And I said, oh, I love you. And I was like, oops, I don't know if we're there yet. I don't know if I can say that yet. And I'm like, oh, it's coming back. Like, it's coming, like she's into me. Like, it's gonna be good. She's gonna say she loves me. And it was seconds and then it felt like minutes and hours of silence in the car. And I'm like, I'm in big trouble here. <laughs> This relationship is not where I thought it was. 
And Tara looks at me and she said, hey, George, I really, really like you. And I think we could have a future together. I think there could be something there for us, but I have one problem. And I said, well, what's that problem? And she said, you're not a spiritual leader. And she said, I need that in my life. And I said, what do you mean by that? And she said, yeah, you know, I get that you've made a decision for God and that one day you're gonna die and go to heaven, but the way you're living your life right now doesn't live a life full of what Jesus wants for you today. And I was like, that's really hard. And so I remember going home and really thinking about that. And in my life, I'd always been told I was good at a lot of things. I was good at sports. I was good at studies. I was, I was good at anything that I really put my hand to, but she was the very first person that said I wasn't good at something. And it was something that really mattered. And so I remember going to a chapel service. It was like three days later. And like the cool kids always sit in the back. For some reason, I ended up front. I was sitting three rows back from the stage and I was like, I don't know what I'm doing sitting up front. And this pastor comes out and he begins to talk. And he begins talking about this abundant life in Jesus, how we could have a full and rich life from the moment that we believe in Jesus. But he said, the problem is a lot of you haven't read the signs correctly. You're heading in the wrong direction. And he said, to really have a full life, you need to change directions and you need to make a U-turn. You need to turn around and align yourself with God and the moment that you do, you'll begin to experience a full life, a rich life, a life that's abundant and it won't last for today or tomorrow or the next day. It'll last through all of eternity, past the grave, past any dead end road that you will ever come to in life. It'll always be a rich and full life. And I remember that chapel service clear as day, as today, I sat there and I said, God, man, I've been headed in the wrong direction. And I know you love me and you have something much richer and fuller for my life, but I need to turn around and go in a different direction. I need to follow alongside what you're doing, align myself with you so that I can live that full life. And I think back to that day because it was my wife who sat in a car and said, you're not the guy who believes in a full and rich life every day in Jesus. You believe that he came for the future, but you don't believe in the now. And if you don't believe in now, it's gonna affect the way that you live life, the way that you love me, the way that you love our family, the way that you lead other people. And my wife changed everything in my life by pointing that out to me so that I could see that, that I was really missing God. She threw me one of the biggest signs I've ever had in my life. And so I don't know about you, I believe God's been throwing every single one of us signs. We're going through the book of John together. Those signs aren't just for the people of John's time. Those signs are for every one of us that hears them. And so are you missing something in life? Does life not seem so full? No matter what good things happen to you, does it not seem good enough? Like it's completed something inside of you? Are you going through life saying, I've made this decision in my heart to follow Jesus and I know that you know, I've got this fire protection. I know that I'm gonna be in heaven one day. I really believe that he died for me, but I'm missing the everyday living. It's affecting how I love the people around me, how I live my life, how others see me. It's affecting the way that I lead. And if that's you, I just wanna take a minute and pray for you. Can we pray together? God, the story 
in John is amazing, how John draws our attention to the here and now. And oftentimes we think about the future and making sure that we're going to go to heaven, that there is a life after death, but we're not thinking about what it means to us in our everyday living. And so God, I just pray for each person that hears this word, that they would be encouraged and see the sign that you've been giving to them. It might've come this morning, it might've come yesterday, it might be in their prayer time, it might be through a friend or neighbor, it may have been through an invite that somebody gave them to be here today. And so Father, I just pray that they would know that you are their God and that the miracles that you performed here on earth is the same power that you have to give them life. And Jesus, it's through your death and the power to rise again and defeat death and that gives us a full and rich life forever. And so God, I pray if that person's here today and struggling with that decision, that they would just pray the simple prayer. God, Jesus, I'm going the wrong direction right now. I wanna turn around. I wanna align myself with you. I wanna live a full and rich life. I want it to change the way that I live everyday life. I wanna have peace. I wanna have joy. I wanna have um, your comfort in my life. I wanna have your direction and guidance. I wanna see your everyday signs that guide me safely to my destination and help me be the very best that I can be in the way that you've created me to be. And I give up control of the direction I'm going and turn it all over to you and live fully for you from this day forward. I come alive right now. God, I pray that you will use this in each person's life to help them to live out daily what you want us to live. Thank you for your love for us. Thank you, God, for your blessings in our life. And we pray this in Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Great, it's been good being with you guys. Yeah, thank you so much. I hope to see you all again soon. We'll see you next week. Love you all. Thanks again for listening. To hear more messages like this one, make sure to subscribe and check out our podcast channel for past episodes. And to stay up to date with all things Southside, follow at Southside underscore church on Instagram. We love you guys. The best is yet to come.